0: Good afternoon, everybody. It's great to be with you on a, what a great weekend, um, lovely weather, able to get out and about a little bit more than we have been. I'm guessing that there might be a few more people on catch up rather than live today. Um, but the time is coming when we're going to be able to get together again, and I'm sure we're looking forward to that. Uh, this series that we're working through, looking at Proverbs and and wisdom and the desire for wisdom, Takes us to a particular subject today, and as uh, Jude read earlier for us, we're looking at across proverbs at a number of the occasions when the idea of words is used and the way that we use them. Uh, The human experience uh, is just ripped through (laughs) with the idea of words. I've done a little bit of a search around, and Greek philosophers have said things about words and the way that we use them. I think I found virtually every major religion of the world talks about words and the way that we use words and the implications and the, uh, uh, the results of how we use words. Shakespeare, pop- popular music, just everywhere we turn, we are communicating people. And the words that we use are at the very essence of what it is to be human beings. Uh, at the very heart of who we are, this ability to communicate and actually the inability to communicate through words as well. We see our inability across the globe with um, the ver- many and various languages that we speak. And those words which are all uh, used in different ways to describe the same thing are the ways in which we are separated as well as the way in which we come together. Words are an incredibly powerful factor. Somebody said this, words start wars and end them, create love and choke it, bring us to laughter and joy and tears words cause men and women to willingly risk their lives their fortunes and their sacred honor our world as we know it revolves on the power of words that's an amazing statement and to be honest it could have been taken from the from the bible in the way that it describes the implications and the outcome uh, of the words that we use we're way back in the old testament Uh, today but I want to start by reading just one verse from one of the letters in the New Testament from James chapter 3 and verse 5 which reflects uh, on the power of words listen to what it says in James 3 and verse 5 likewise the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes great boasts consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark We will have seen over the past year or so those devastating forest fires, Australia, uh, North America, um, different occasions, different times of year maybe, but the same impact, Uh, terrible devastation, loss of property, loss of lives, huge disruption. How did they start? A tiny spark. Uh, And James uses that picture. That idea, um, for the power of our words and the implications of our words—a little word, uh, a small conversation—can set fire to a situation. And so, it's not surprising, therefore, that the the Bible speaks a lot about words and the way in which we use them. Uh, and nor is it a surprise that words are at the very centre of a faith shaped wisdom, which is why they occur in James. So let's have a look. Firstly, let's run through some of these texts and think a little bit, uh, just very quickly, about the way in which these words push us in certain directions, shape us to be thinking in a particular way. Chapter 12 and verse 18. I love this uh, verse, it's been really special uh, to us as a family. The words of the reckless. Pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. What's that saying? It's saying that the words that are used expose the heart or character of the person. The words that are used by the reckless are piercing like swords, but the wise character is revealed by the words that they use that bring healing. So the first thing that we see straight off the off the bat there is that we see that the way that Proverbs thinks about words is it it, it explains to us. It, it's if you like, it lifts up a mirror in front of us and it says, "What kind of character are you? Are you a reckless character or are you a wise character? Because the mirror that Proverbs lifts up in front of us, allows us to see by the words that we use the character that we are. Are we foolish chapter 14 and verse three? A fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips of the wise protect them. We live in a world which is which is consumed with a desire to tell everybody about our success, where, pride and the the sense of our own superior being is is everywhere it's it's become what is wise to do and yet proverbs presents before us this mirror and it says the wise are protected when we don't use the words of pride what a what a contrast what a what a A moment for us to pause and to consider Uh, and in our world of course when we talk about words we're not talking literally only about the 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 mouth the tongue we know that we we are now living in a world where the words that we might use in our hearts which are very often protected by the, the the physical presence of being Uh, with somebody can so very easily be revealed on the screens where we write. The words that we put onto um, our our electronic forms of communication are so often more powerful in revealing the words of our heart. And so pride can so easily wash out. Reckless words can so easily wash out uh, of effectively our virtual mouths as we uh, speak into the community of people who are listening to us online. Chapter 15 and verse 4. The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Isn't that amazing? Words can be uh, the hope bringer and the hope crusher a soothing tongue is like a tree of life taking us right back to the imagery of the the perfect created world that idea of hope that idea of life flowing from the tree of life and we have these this idea that words can bring that hope and yet at the same time they can crush us the words of the mouth in verse uh, chapter 18 and verse 4. The words of the mouth are deep waters. But the fountain of wisdom is a rushing stream. Now we're beginning to get into one of the things that, that Proverbs does so often. It brings almost an ambiguity. It, it forces us to really think, what are these words actually saying? The words of the mouth are deep waters. I think that's suggesting that uh, words that come out of our mouths are not just instantaneous moments. They come from deep, deep within. There is a deep source of those words. It's, it's right at the heart and essence and deep character of who we are. Uh, but the fountain of wisdom is a rushing stream. One of the things that uh, the ancient world understood to some extent was that uh, rushing uh, mountain streams, particularly rushing streams, were fresher water. It was that sense of of, um, freshness and quality rather than still and stagnant water and can bring refreshing. And so from deep within us, comes the possibility of much refreshing by the words that we use. Chapter 18 and verse 6 and 8 to 8 goes on, the lips of fools bring them strife and their mouths invite a beating. (laughs) How often have we seen stupid words being used and the response is violence? Uh, You become the victim of violence by stupid and unnecessary and striving words. The mouths of fools are their undoing and their lips are a snare to their very lives. The words that we use can be the very words that can cause our death. The words of the gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. This idea again that the gossip that we partake of, they really they enter into us. Gossip is not just something which is lightly done and gone and disappears. No, it goes deep into us. It reshapes us. It, it changes our constitution. It goes down into our inmost parts. What about 18 and 21? The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruits. Now we're really ambiguous. The words that we use can bring life and death and those who love it will eat its fruits. What kind of fruit will you eat? What kind of fruit will I eat from the words that I use? Chapter 25 and verse 15. Through patience a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Again it's ambiguous. I think it's it's reflecting on the ancient world where rulers were all-powerful. And patience uh, and careful words can shape and redirect uh, a ruler who is all-powerful. And at the same time, it can be the very words that can, can act maybe in some sort of greater strength than the oppressor we might break the bone of the oppressor against us just by the words that we so carefully use or alternatively it might say that our words although it does suggest a gentle tongue uh, a gentle tongue can bring a, a kind of a protection from the violent oppressor a bit like a bit like somebody might be coming to attack us but a gentle word can effectively break the bone. Rather than a fight, a gentle word can break that attack. What's Proverbs doing for us across this, if you like, this panorama? I think what it's presenting to us again and again is the way in which words reveal character, shape who we are, shape how we relate to other people, how we have impact on those around us, and how we have responsibility. It's a word that we don't want to face up to these days. Very often in our minds, we want to be our own kind of, our own king and lord of our lives, so that we are free to do whatever we want to do, say whatever we want to say. And yet at the same time, there is an implication, there is an impact on the words that we use and how Proverbs causes us, it lifts this mirror up in front of us and it says that the words that we use are a reflection of who we are and it asks the question, who are we? Words are the outcome of the person that we are. And one of the things that continually presents itself is uh, the wise one, according to Proverbs, is the one who brings healing, who brings calm, who brings patience, who brings goodness. You know, that sounds remarkably like what Paul wrote to the church in Galatians, in in Galatia, in the book of Galatians chapter 5. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, if you like, is the impact of the Holy Spirit on our lives when we come to faith in Jesus Christ and we realize that little, little by little, we are changed so that we become a different person to who we once were. And that's not just that we become a better person. It's because we become more modeled to be like Jesus. In chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23 of Galatians, we read this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How do we most see that fruit? I think the way that we most see that fruit is in the words that we use. And most often it is the words that we use that actually then produce the actions which are further evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit going on in lives so that we become more loving, we become more joyful, we become more uh, peace-pursuing, we become more patient or forbearing we become kind, we become good, faithful, gentle and in control. But then what I think we also said about proverbs is that it is that mirror and when I look at the demands of the proverbs for the control of our tongue when I look at the call for the fruit of the spirit to to change us, I think the reality is that that mirror presents a dark picture when we look into our hearts and when we look into who we are. Charlie Brooker has produced a series of films, a social critique really, called Black Mirror. Some of you will have seen some of them. I was really, really shocked to see that his wife, Connie Hook, uh, a Blue Peter presenter, is a, is a co-writer on some of the Black Mirror episodes, it's a bit of a shock for somebody from Blue Peter to be writing something so dark. But what does that series do? It presents to us what might happen if we go down the line of certain things in our social experience, what might happen as we create and we weave this series of events which results in an outcome. That's what Proverbs does for us as well. It presents to us these pithy sayings, these words that could cause us to just pause and to think and to create a mind picture of where we might be. Where might we be if reckless words that pierce like a sword are painted into our personal experience? Where might we be if those reckless words are allowed to be repeated? Where might we be if those reckless words become a part of my everyday speech? Where might we be if those reckless words begin to shape me in my actions day by day? Where might we be if those reckless words become the very foundation of who I now define myself to be? Where might we be when we realize that the words of hope are always ultimately drowned out by the words of hate? Is that a reflection of the world that we live in? For all of my life, as the best I can remember we have been talking about racial oppression and yet here we are still 55 50 years later from what i can remember still reflecting on racial oppression still reflecting on hate speech still reflecting on imbalances where the words of the racial and sectarian violence are always louder than the words of peacemaking where the words of self are always louder than the words of service. Where does that come from? It comes from these proverbs. It comes from these pithy sayings which present to us not just a nice trippy little uh, let's get happy, let's get positively motivated kind of ideal, the kind of motivational poster that we put on our wall. They're not that. That the black mirror of the Bible, which gives us an opportunity to reflect where we will where, where will we be if we allow the reckless, the pride-filled, the perverse to rule in the words that we use. And when we consider that, and when we look into the heart of these proverbs, we realise this that our hearts are at the core of the issue. Our hearts, our very being as human beings, the the core of our identity, the fact that these words come from deep within us, the very foundations on which the acts which result from those words occur continually within the human experience. And so the guidance for from uh, Proverbs, ultimately says to us, I think, that we are not in a position where we need to get better, where we need to try harder. We are not in that place. We're in a place where we need to be saved, not improved, saved, because we have no hope to be any better. And that foundation is actually the very hope of the Christian faith. You say, why is that? And I think it's found in this, that weaved throughout the story of redemption presented to us in the Bible, from the very beginning to the very end, we are presented with this. We are presented with a God of words. Right at the very beginning, the foundation of the world, which was filled with all potential for hope, we find this. What? And God said, and it happened, this beautiful poetic way in which the words of God are described as the way in which the intention of God to be the the purposeful creator is revealed to us. One of my favorite songs that has been um, written in the past few years is 100, 100 Billion. I think these words are beautiful. Listen to this. And as you speak, 100 billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. That's our God. That's the God that we are presented, a God of words. In the vapor of his breath, the planets are formed with intention and purpose and with words. Beautiful. And then ultimately we see our failures in our words resolved in Jesus, who becomes the one who comes into this world and uses words continually, without fail, fulfilling the the expectations and the the direction that Proverbs points us to. There's a beautiful little picture we see in in the way in which words are tied directly to the compassion of Jesus. Mark chapter 6 and verse, verse 34, it says this, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus looks at this crowd of people as he arrives on the, on the shore uh, and, and he sees. I think he, he would look at our world today and see exactly the same. He would see people who are looking for something, who are searching, but they have no guidance. They have no direction. They have no protection. They have no sense of where to be and what to do and what is right and what is wrong. He said they are like sheep without a shepherd. So, what did he do? So, he began teaching them many things. Isn't that beautiful? What Jesus understood and what Jesus knew was that the ultimate thing that we needed was to know the words of God. We need to know directly from God the words that will secure us, that will protect us, that will pen us in and and keep us safe. So much so that later on in in his ministry in John chapter 6 and verse 67 and 68, we see this. At the point where Matthew mentioned earlier, there's, there's a point where Jesus uses extraordinary words and people want to they, they can't cope with these words and, and they want to leave. And Jesus says to his disciples, you do not want to leave too, do you? He asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Isn't that, isn't that just filled? With an understanding of hope that that Peter had got this, he'd understood that actually the only place, the only source, the only location of the words of eternal life was in Jesus. And so at that moment, where Jesus uses words which are so incredibly difficult eat my body and drink my blood when Peter hears that. He has hope in Jesus to the point where he is able to say in his heart, maybe I don't really understand that, but we know that we haven't got anywhere else to go. You are the one who who has the words of eternal life. I think the most powerful word in the whole of the ministry of Jesus is one word. And it is the very last word that he uses. John chapter 19 and verse 30, it says this. When he had received a drink, Jesus said, it is finished. That's three words for us. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It's three words for us, but it was one word for Jesus. tater it is finished. It is the most triumphant cry that Jesus uttered. It sounds, in the context of somebody dying, it sounds like a terrible word. It's finished. In our language it says, It is finished. It's over. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm gone. But what we know of the way that that word was used is it was used at the end of documents to say that the debt is paid. It was written at the end of in- invoices in the ancient world to say completed. Isn't that beautiful? When Jesus says one word, he fills you and me with hope. And so we can look then and we can say in the despondency of our failure to fulfill the words of the aspirations of Proverbs, we are able to say tater in Jesus. It is finished. And look to him who promises the Spirit so that we might bear fruit, which is a little bit better than we once bore. Hi Matt, you muted. <laughs> that is normally me that is just i'm so I, 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 pleased you did that
1: <laughs> I, I pride myself that that hasn't happened to me yet but there you go, I pride. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, thank you for that paul now that's uh, really uh really helpful and um kind of going off a little bit what jude said last week it's it's easy sometimes with proverbs to kind of look at them in different ways and think well that doesn't really marry up into our world or there's some things that do some things that don't and it's um it always comes back to jesus it always comes back to you know, back, back to our condition you know and hmm. um, what jesus has done for us um, and I've, I've never thought of proverbs as the the black mirror of the bible <laughs> you know <laughs> i thought that was really uh, really helpful um but i don't know if you've got any thoughts in terms of if, for someone firstly just reading proverbs I'm thinking these just seem like disparate sayings Do you know and there's is normally we read through a new testament whether there's a narrative there's a mm. flow and there's mm. a flow through proverbs in terms of wisdom and, and, and things. Mm. I don't know if you've got any, what we've got to say about that in just in terms of a tip on how to read that and to how to think through some of the things that just don't marry up maybe with, with how we see some of the things that maybe i think there's some bits in the bible in proverbs where it says if this happens and this will be a consequence but do do you know what I mean it's just something that doesn't
0: yeah i think um i think proverbs is really hard in that way mm. um and i think my advice would be just well if if you can come, come into the bible new i would say don't start with proverbs mm. that's <laughs> that's kind of the first thing i would say i would say start start with one of the gospels um my, probably mark um mm. But but I think as we as we start to dig into uh, proverbs, and I think I think you mentioned it earlier, if we we've got to hold on to the idea, I think that in some way and in some perspective, that all of this points to Jesus. It's part of a stream, mm-hmm. uh, a, a journey. Uh, and at least what proverbs does is it says part of our human condition which is kind of emphasized by every world religion, recognizing the words that we use are critical Mm. to either human flourishing or human catastrophe. Mm. I think Proverbs does that. It says, in one sense, it says that the Christian faith isn't this disembodied thing which is outside of human experience. It's rooted in human experience. Mm. The danger is if we stop at the end of Proverbs and only talk about the good things that it says do and the bad things that it says not to do, Mm. we can make the Christian faith just a moralistic journey. Yeah. That 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 would be I don't know what you think. Any I don't know what you think, Jude, whether there's anything else that
2: Yeah, I think I think like you say, Proverbs is not an easy book to start with if you're just new to reading the Bible. Mm. But I think one of the things that the writer of the proverbs is trying to do is he is trying to give us realistic kind of everyday wisdoms but he's not setting them up as a kind of pick and mix selection that you mm. can just go into the sweet mm. shop of wisdom and just pick a couple of things here and there mm. actually what he's doing is he's setting up these wisdoms in light of choices and mm. the choices that he's setting up is living unwise is not it's not living for god and then here's what living for god looks like and i think understanding proverbs in terms of living living two ways living without god mm. and living with god yeah. actually that brings proverbs together a little bit more helpfully than yeah. a kind of pick and make of, yeah, of yeah. wisdoms yeah um, that's great. which yeah i think i think can be helpful because yeah, I, yeah. I think One of the things uh, I was thinking today whilst we were kind of uh, reading these things about words is that actually part of me loves a bit of gossip. And maybe I shouldn't (laughs) confess this kind of out loud, but you know, part of me loves a bit of gossip. And when I lose my temper and rant, you know, unwisely and with a destructive pattern, some of that feels good like do you know mm. um mm. yeah again probably mm. not quite mm. a public forum to confess that but i think <laughs> there are parts of us deep down where that kind of that it has a it's we know it's destructive but there's a satisfaction with it as well and mm. actually i think what that satisfaction is it's that satisfaction of that part of us you know that is a uh, is broken mm. that part mm. of us that um do you know, since Words have first been used in a deceitful way in the Garden of Eden. Do you know it's kind of set apart? You know, set as apart with words. And actually, do you know, Paul, what some of the, what you were saying about eh, the way that God brings healing in words, and mm. actually, it brings healing in me as well because mm. there's a mm. satisfaction in God that can be provided that the short-term yeah. flippancy of yeah. the Uh, words so I I think in words what I'm trying to say is even today in words there was those two choices wasn't there of kind of how we can live and even as Christians we can still struggle with that can't we Mm. but we can still make choices to words kind of godly living
0: do you yeah Uh, yeah totally I think that's where Jesus comes in again because Mm. all of those choices they point to living in one way or living in another way and he becomes the embodiment of living faithfully in the pattern of of faithfulness to his father mm-hmm. um to the point where jesus jesus didn't not rant didn't not rant. <laughs> Jesus ranted <laughs> you know he he cleared the temple and and he spoke with the most kind of harsh words at times so, so there is a sense in which that kind of indignant Voice is not a bad thing all the time. It's what it's pointed towards. There should be an mm. indignation against injustice. There should be indignation against the oppression uh, of the weak. There should be indignation against the um, the disregard of the pattern that God would have us to live. The, mm. th- there is a sense in which that indignation is a good thing. Um, we tend to have indignation when it's not gone our way. Uh, (laughs) and and that kind of says my way is is actually the right way Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and yeah that that's definitely one of the confrontations of words that comes out particularly in the new testament is that that peace and recognition that uh, the way life unfolds is not outside of some sort of bigger perspective beyond us um which is ultimately being in 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 its collective experience worked out for the good of god's people which still doesn't mean that we don't rail against death and the loss of somebody who we love or whatever it might be because that death is an injustice to to the to god's purpose and yet we don't we don't grieve as those who are without hope either <laughs> Yeah. yeah words amazing things
1: absolutely and just to close because i appreciate it. there's been a lot going on today in the uh service so thank you if you're still here <laughs> but um yeah the words jesus last words to the lasty you know it is finished i think that was you know,
2: yeah that's that's a really that cool been,
1: uh, because you know in terms of jesus's words what he said in matthew uh chapter 12 says um I tell you on the day of judgment people will give account for every careless word they speak for by your words you'll be justified by your words you'll be condemned and i'm just thinking with that one word that jesus says our careless words are taken care of do you know yeah. what i mean like jesus Amen. Jesus,
2: Amen. jesus hallelujah yeah that's an awesome <laughs> and thing and isn't our it
1: careless words thank goodness which we think and every day Amen. and say jesus has taken care of it with that one word and yeah I mean, that's a, a beautiful way to end um, yeah. Paul, are you okay just to close your preference. that Yeah, of course right? can. Brilliant, thank you.
0: Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, um, the amazing way in which Jesus revealed to us what faithfulness can look like, what consistent use of words for the nourishing, for the goodness, for bringing peace, for bringing hope, for confronting oppression and injustice. We thank you that ultimately, as we've just seen, that the the final word of your son, uh, the account is paid, it is completed. We thank you that that applies to the failed words of ourselves Mm -hmm. when we trust in you. Mm -hmm. So we thank you for today and we pray that as we uh, spend this next week in whatever demands face us, we pray that we might be shaped into a, a a mindfulness towards words that is more uh, inclined towards your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mm-hmm. name, amen.
2: Amen.
1: Take care, guys. Have a great week.
0: Thanks, guys. Take care.